Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS. And that link will be in the show notes. If you're going to spend money on a supplement, then you want to make sure it works. And we don't necessarily promote one supplement over another. But the most important thing, like I've said before, is dose and knowing how much you're getting in your supplement. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life Podcast, where our only priority is providing those aha moments to uplevel your life, health, and happiness. Your host, integrative dietitian nutritionist Krista Bigler, helps health conscious women reduce the stress and confusion around food, fatigue, digestive, and skin issues at lessstressnutrition.com. Now, on to the show. If you're listening to this week's episode, you probably already listened to last week's episode. So what I want you to know is that last week's episode is really kind of like a general overview of some omega-3 stuff. This week's episode is more, gets into a little bit more of the prenatal DHA, but there's going to be some crossover either way. Why I'm recording this message for you is because we've got a couple omega-3 index kits to give away valued at $50 and you can do them at home, send them into the lab. It's awesome. They'll send you the kit or the report and it's self-explanatory, honestly, on what to do with it from there. But uh, to enter to win one of those kits, all you have to do is either you just need to share the podcast or this episode. That's really it. So, but, and then you have to kind of prove that you've done it. So There's a couple ways to do this, and this allows us to be able to find you if you win. So one option is to just go ahead and click the share button in the podcast app or send someone a text, and that'll take you to your text messages. Or you can just text someone like, hey, I think you would really like XYZ episode, and you can listen to it at lessstresslife.com, or you can send them like a direct link to the episode. And I think many people kind of know how to do that, so I won't walk through that. So there's a little arrow somewhere, and it'll send you the text. What you have to do then is take a screenshot of you sharing it and send us an email at hello at lessstresslife.com. Then the other two options for entering to win the Omega-3 Index Kit would be there's going to be a couple social media posts for each of these episodes on both Instagram and Facebook at KristaBigglerRD. And you just need to comment and tag someone on one of those posts. And that way we'll be able to find you that way too. So it's up to three entries, right? You could email a screenshot of you sharing the episode and you can comment on Facebook and you can comment on Instagram. And actually you can comment on both posts and we'll give you as many entries as you do. It doesn't matter. So, and then I'll do a random, there's a little like random way you can pick for these. And generally, people don't, I mean, you're listening in the car, you forget to do this. So your chances are good. Your your chances are good. You should totally enter. Anyway, I hope that helps and good luck. 
Let's talk about how do we know where we're at with this? Because when you started doing study work around this population, there wasn't a reference range really for pregnancy mm-hmm. of what appropriate DHA or omega, however we want to call this, omega-3 index. Because yeah. like, yeah. if I were to go get my omega-3 index tested, which I did a week or two ago, <laughs> and it's low, I mean, my low, that reference range is different than pregnancy. Tell us about that. Correct. So the omega-3 index is the first like really omega-3 blood test that came out it's way before our prenatal DHA test. So the omega-3 index is the EPA and DHA content of red blood cell membranes. So the blood, it has plasma and it has red blood cells and white blood cells. And red blood cells just kind of carry oxygen around and then no one else really cares that much about it except for maybe measuring HbA1c. Everything is going on in the plasma. But we look at a red blood cell and we look at the fatty acid membrane that makes up the red blood cell. And that is really interesting because it reflects tissue levels of fatty acids in your body. Instead of just what you ate yesterday or ate this morning, that's going to be in your plasma. Your red blood cells really show kind of your months long intake of fat and what your body has to make those fatty acid membranes that the type of fats that are available to them is from what you've been eating over the last few months. And so these red blood cells, we look at the fatty acids, we quantify all, we quantify about 24 fatty acids and we take the EPA and DHA over the total fatty acids and we get a percent. And that percent really represents EPA and DHA status. And the reference range that was set in 2004 was 8 to 12 percent as an omega-3 index being that's an optimal omega-3 status. For a general less adult, than, right? For a general population, less than 4 percent is not a good place to be. And these were all set with the endpoint of sudden cardiac death. That was the main focus. And that's where the research showed People who were at 8% had a lot less risk of dying of a heart attack versus people less than 4%. So that's how it came to be. And then over the last 15 years, there's been a ton of research that has corroborated those numbers and it's starting to be used in brain health and eye health as well. And then we started to look at this pregnancy population, which is totally different. And we thought, you know, omega-3 index of eight is probably good for that population, but let's take a look and see what the evidence says. And if there is any evidence to set a target for that population. And I felt like going into this population, it would be important to focus on DHA because that's where the research has really just used pure DHA or found that DHA is seems to be more effective than giving EPA. So I wanted to kind of match what the research had had grown from. And so we looked at instead of EPA and DHA added together, we just are looking at DHA levels in the red blood cell for this prenatal DHA marker. And then a study came out in 2018 from Denmark, I think, where they were looking at blood levels of pregnant women and correlating and showing how low blood levels of DHA were highly predictive of having early preterm birth. And they were able to do this because in Europe, they have more socialized medicine. So they had blood levels of all these women early in pregnancy. And then they knew whether or not they had a full-term birth or early preterm birth. And so they were able to take those women, they know what the outcome is, look back at what their blood levels were in early to mid-pregnancy and see if it was predictive. And it was extremely predictive to have very low DHA blood levels increase the risk of having early preterm birth by about tenfold compared to the women who had higher blood levels, which was kind of wild. So that's really what motivated us to say, 
there's something here. There's so much background evidence that DHA is important for this part of pregnancy. Let's see if we can propose a marker and then we'll just start doing research and see how well this marker holds up. And we found that 5% was the target for having a DHA level of greater than 5% is a good place to be as it to avoid early preterm birth. That's where we landed. Yeah. So I'm going to recap that. So for the general population in 2004, it was decided that 8 to 12% of omega-3 index was great and less than 4% was a really bad place to be because we're trying to avoid sudden cardiac death. That's what the focus of that was. But you guys really, I mean, and you're doing research with a lot of places, so we can talk about that in a moment. But in 2018, because of this study that came out in Denmark and them seeing that there was a tenfold increase in preterm birth with low omega status, you guys found through literature review and your own studies that 5% was a pretty good target. But you guys are mm-hmm. kind of the lab using that as the reference range, essentially, right? Yes. So this is a reference range that we have proposed, and it's still up for debate. <laughs> and we're always doing more and more research to trying to define these reference ranges. And we're working with folks from Cornell. We're about to try and make a study happen at a hospital here in town to start to really solidify this 5% mark. What's cool is that looking at the very least, the omega-3 index and the prenatal DHA are a status marker of DHA and EPA and DHA status, respectively. So regardless of whether or not you're hitting that 5% target in pregnancy or 8%, if you get your baseline level and you change your intake, you can see yourself if how much you go up and how it relates to kind of the general public or the pregnancy public as far as we know. So it's both kind of a, a marker of health or potentially risk factor for certain outcomes, but also just a nutritional status marker where you can track what works for you as far as intake goes. Mm-hmm. And with kids, there's a wild can of worms at the moment. They're yes. all different sizes at the moment. So mm-hmm. we really can't say much. Yeah. For kids, if a lot of people are testing kids and using omega-3s for all different kinds of things. And in them, I would just say, if you want to look at their levels, there's nothing wrong with that. But kids typically have just lower baseline levels than adults from what we've seen. And we don't know what a target level would be for them. And so you can still use the test, you're still going to just get that raw number and you can see if what you're doing as far as supplementation or diet goes is increasing their omega-3 level. Yeah. I don't know if anyone cares about this story, but it would have been a really cool idea if I had done this with my five-year-old. And there will always be next winter. Every winter, the beginning of winter, he gets like really dry hands. And I think that's multifold, right? Like we wash and we get like exposed to cold mm-hmm. and whatnot. And my fix for this is high dose omega-3s. And it works every single time. But I have to give him like three that's times awesome. what's normal for a little kiddo. Mm-hmm. And by the way, getting an omega-3s in your kid's real treat, it depends on the kid. And <laughs> yeah. Some kids will totally do it. And like a lot of these cod liver oils are really flavored. I do these little gummies. But if you look at kids' products, they're like barely anything. It's garbage. So I use the Mm -hmm. one with the highest amount where one little thing Mm -hmm. is like 300 total omega-3s and all the other ones are like 80. So like nothing, yeah. right? If we yeah. think about adult versions, I mean, it's something, but <laughs> yeah, it's something, but it's really nothing. Thank you. So, it's so I give him like, the needle. <laughs> yeah, so I give him about a thousand, and it works really effectively in a short time, which mm-hmm. is kind of fun. You know, I really it is I'm fun. A, like a, I'm a huge believer of uh, dry skin from the inside out, mostly from a lot of personal experience and client experience. Yeah, but you should be able to move the needle if you're doing the right yeah. amount. And I think to your point about the dose is super is that's really important. And I think that's what's kind of screwed up a lot of the research is that nobody knows what dose to use. And they'll just kind of take a dose and give it to a bunch of people. And it may not be even close to enough to move their blood level. And like you said, you're giving your kiddo a 1000 milligrams a day, which is a high dose, but certainly not out of 
I mean, up to 3,000 milligrams a day is considered safe in the U.S. It's 5,000 in Europe. It's hard to overdose on these things. But it takes a lot of pills to get there, by the way. It takes a lot of pills. Yeah. And it feels like a lot. But when you do the higher doses, that's where you notice changes more quickly. Yeah. If you do a lower dose, it's going to be a longer time. I'm a big fan of like... A big, make a big enough dose to see a difference. And then we can yeah. back it down if we need to. But I mean, that's the problem right. with people who are experimenting with this, or like, let's say someone's a mom, and they're trying this mm-hmm. on their child for whatever reason. If you're using mm-hmm. this kid's Omega product, that's only 80 milligrams. And I'm over here mm-hmm. saying I have to use a 1000 to see a difference within a week or two. I mean, you're going to be mm-hmm. grossly disappointed, you're going to say I tried Omega threes, and they didn't work. That's essentially Absolutely. what you're going to say. Yeah, dose is everything. <laughs> we just published a study showing the things that predict Omega three index. It's dose overpowers everything else. So if you get a high enough dose, you're going to get a response. But it definitely, some people respond a lot to a lower dose and some people need a higher dose. It's the way you know is by testing. Exactly. Great segue. I was going to say, probably (laughs) you know this if you have a baseline. And so this is where you guys are the experts, but talk to us about omega-3 testing. And this is a good time to talk about the family business because the reason (laughs) that you even have a job... (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But like your dad kind of discovered this through the research he was doing at a university first and then kind of moved it over into its own place. Is that kind of how this started sort of? Because I mean... Tell us about mm-hmm. the testing technology out there. Who does Omega testing? And you talked to us a little bit about how you guys are doing a little bit different. But like this uh-huh. is what you're doing is really easy to do too. So uh-huh. it's like you order this, do it at home, send it in. And how is that right. possible? Yeah. Oh, man. Lots of stuff to talk about. Let's see if I can remember all of it. So my dad is Bill Harris. And he and Clemens von Schacke, who is a German cardiologist, they proposed the Omega-3 index in 2004 after... Oh, you're kind of a big deal then. I didn't realize that. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. But after there were several studies, two in particular, that came out showing that blood levels of omega-3s were really highly predictive of sudden cardiac death. And they said, well, we can measure this. Why don't we offer this as a risk factor for heart disease like cholesterol? And so they started out and they were both, one was a cardiologist. My dad was a researcher, PhD, not clinical. So they started to do research and they started to try and get this clinically taken up. And so my dad had a lab. That's how they were running, doing fatty acid analysis on red blood cells in lots and lots of studies and then started to branch out and have doctors send samples in for their clients or for their patients. And eventually the research lab was just grew into a commercial lab because we had enough clinicians interested. And then today we have clinicians who are interested. We have individuals who can test and I'll talk about that in a minute. And then we have a huge research arm still. So we're still running thousands and thousands of samples for research studies to continue to verify the numbers that we have. And then the doctors that use our tests can be confident that the specific number and the targets that we set are set on research. And when we do our analysis, their numbers can match our research numbers. With regards to the at-home test kit, what's really neat about fatty acids is that we can measure them out of a blood spot. So somebody can use a lancet and get a, a finger stick. They can put that blood on a card that we've treated with antioxidants and the fatty acids in that blood spot will be stabilized by our antioxidants and then they can send it to our lab. We 
punch a hole out of that blood spot and we can see their fatty acid pattern and get their omega-3 index or their prenatal DHA level from that. And this is a technique that has been used in research for a very long time. And we've just built on that. And we've done a lot of testing to see how stable it is. And it works like a charm. It's pretty pretty neat that we can do that. Yeah, um, so I, that's kind of opened so up cool. the at-home testing yeah. part of our business. Poke your finger and send it in an envelope, essentially, is like all it, ascend- all it really requires. But how is this different? So now that you're a commercial lab, this is good because people can access it. But who else is doing... Like, how else do people commonly get omega-3s looked at? What are the other options out there? Like, is this the gold standard or is there a disparity in the marketplace? Because I think with all testing, there's better quality and not as good a quality testing. So what's out there? There are lots of omega-3 tests out there. And what they mean is where I think we really stand out because we do have the strongest base of research behind our actual numbers and targets. We measure it in a red blood cell. That's an important distinction. And red blood cell or a whole blood draw. If it's a measurement in plasma, which some labs do, then that level can be a lot more varied based on what you've previously eaten. So our levels are much more stable compared to a plasma level. Some other labs also will only report like a ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 or arachidonic acid to EPA, and they just give you this ratio number, those numbers are more difficult to understand as compared to the omega-3 index because you're dealing with two different fatty acids moving. And we think for the most part, the important side of the ratio is the omega-3 side. And that can, having your omega-3s in the good zone can pretty much fix most of your ratios. And so for ours, we think it's just the easiest to understand. It's a stable marker. And we use the same methods that we do with research so we know our numbers are, are solid. And we service a lot of other labs across the country and across the world. We actually have a lab in Australia and Scotland to do this work. And some of the other labs are Salvio and Brainspan and Great Plains Laboratories, I think. There's a whole list of them, and I'm not even sure of all of them, but you can either work through those labs or you can work directly with us. But, you but we do not work with LabCorp Quest. Yet, those are different analyses that those numbers will not match up with ours. Mm -hmm. And what are they looking at? Unfortunately. And Quest, we don't really know. It used to be plasma. We're not sure anymore. It's hard to tell from their website, but it's not an omega-3 index. It is not our method per se. So their number could be completely... It might, if you get your number from them and you're thinking the 8 to 12% for the omega 3 index is not the same thing. So don't worry because I think their numbers come back much lower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you That's have to look point. at their reference ranges and not compare it to ours. There's a lot to talk about here. And I want to mention one more thing because we kind of glazed over it a little bit. I mean, we mentioned it, but there's the mother's milk test, which is basically you're putting uh-huh. breast milk on the same piece of paper, essentially. Correct. And you're yeah, looking yeah. at, and is the reference range different for that? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's more different because it's we're looking at all the fats in the milk and not just the fats in a membrane. So the breast milk levels can change more quickly than the red blood cell levels. And so that number, we set a target for the breast milk DHA level at 0.32%. So this is a completely different range. And that is really based on study by Tom Brenna many years ago where they tried to take all the data on breast milk fatty acid levels in the world and they found that the average was 0.32%. And then through a lot of other studies and even formula studies where they're changing the amount of DHA and arachidonic acid in formulas, 0.32% being above that with DHA level 
seems to be the sweet spot where you're out of the kind of deficiency zone. So being higher than 0.32% is great, but you may not be getting more and more and more benefit as you get higher and higher. Being below 0.32% is a little bit more of a deficiency state. So it's not a hard number to hit. Usually that 200 milligrams a day should help most people get to that target breast milk number, but it will change a lot more quickly. And it's a little bit different. It's a little different marker. I feel like this conversation can't be complete unless we touch on omega-3 supplementation and the pros and cons there. So when I say Mm -hmm. that, I mean quality again. So we just talk about Mm -hmm. testing quality, which is important, but it's also Mm -hmm. important as with all supplements to check on omega quality because any Mm -hmm. negative research sometimes is coming from poor quality products. So what Mm -hmm. do you have to say about that when you're looking for a product? Yeah, for us, we want you to know your product is working. If you're going to spend money on a supplement, then you want to make sure it works. And we don't necessarily promote one supplement over another. But the most important thing, like I've said before, is dose and knowing how much you're getting in your supplement. Another important piece is uh, the type of fatty acid in there. So there are different formulations. One is called an ethyl ester formulation and one is called a triglyceride. There's also a phospholipid. Those have different, they absorb differently. And a lot of the really concentrated supplements are ethyl esters, but they are not absorbed very well unless they're taken with food. So this is really important. If you're taking supplements, fish oil supplements, take it with a food that contains fat because then you will actually absorb the fat in there. You could be taking supplements in the morning before breakfast or if you don't eat breakfast and you will not absorb one bit of it if you don't have any fat with that gets your fat digestion going. No matter what supplement you take, that's going to affect how well it works. But then the dose of EPA and DHA, you got to look on the back panel and see how many pills it would take, how many pills are in a serving size, and then look at the EPA and DHA numbers specifically, not total fish oil, not total omega-3, EPA and DHA, and try to see, I need to take three pills to get 500 total milligrams of EPA and DHA. You're going to have to do that math to really see what you're taking. And the other interesting thing is we have on our website a calculator that you can use your baseline omega-3 index, and then you can put in 8%, 10%, whatever target index you'd like to get to. And then it'll give you an estimate of how many milligrams a day of EPA and DHA you need to get to that target in about three or four months. And it's usually 1,000 to 1,500 milligrams for a lot of people of EPA and DHA a day, which is a fairly high dose compared to what most people take. Mm -hmm. You got to know what's in your supplements Mm -hmm. and you got to take it with food. Yeah, that was a great point. So thank you for going over that. Um, Mm -hmm. If you could leave people with one thought about, oh, man, you know, you kind of knew omega-3s were important, but you weren't, didn't know how important they were. And now you're like, oh, I should probably be paying more attention to this. And man, I have dry skin or whatever, whatever. Maybe mm-hmm. my eyes aren't that great. What would you leave people with? What would you say, hey, you can do this to start improving this now? Yeah, I think about this more in the pregnancy world of how it can be fairly stressful to think about eating fish and just anything that you eat during pregnancy, it's kind of stressful. And so one of my ideas or one of my goals in creating the prenatal DHA test was to take away the stress of worrying about fish and DHA during pregnancy and getting your number and then knowing I can do, I can take DHA from a supplement or I can eat fish and I can be confident that I'm eating the right kinds of fish and my number is going to reflect that. 
So it can clarify what you should be doing. You don't have to go crazy eating fish every single day, but you have to eat some fish or you have to take some DHA during pregnancy to make sure that you're fueling yourself and your baby as best as you can. And I think that the numbers help clarify the whole fish and pregnancy issue because it is stressful. It was stressful to me. And it just allows you to be confident that you're doing the best that you can in this area for your pregnancy and for your baby. Well, Christina, thanks so much for coming on and talking to us, really schooling us on omega-3s in pregnancy, breastfeeding, and beyond that, really, in just general life and kind of explaining how the reference ranges are different. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's such an area that's talked about a lot, but really not always quantified or not very specifically. So I think Mm -hmm. we, we hit on some of those heads today, and I'm sure we could talk longer about it. So your company is OmegaQuant, which is at OmegaQuant.com. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Which we'll have in the show notes. And over on my site, there'll be some information on... I mean, of course, you can go to their website. And then on my site, I'm going to include some information on ordering the test as well. So... Great. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'm happy. I hope we are able to chat again in the future about some other Omega-3 topics. Oh, yeah. There's lots of them. We're excited about it. Cool. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. And that's a wrap for today. Don't forget to go enter to win the Omega-3 Index Testing Kits. We have more than one to give away. Your chances are good. If you want to know how to enter, we'll give you as many entries as you comment. Like you can comment each week on both Facebook and Instagram on this post at Krista Bigler RD on both Instagram and Facebook. And you can send a screenshot of sharing both episodes and we'll give you as pretty much as many entries, like up to six entries. So your odds are excellent. Go ahead and go get entered now because it's such a great, easy to do test at home and there's zero cost to you because you'll get the results and they're really easy to interpret on your own and it tells you what you need to do. Good luck. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life, and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 